Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, Jacob Sokol, and I am thrilled that you have chosen to kick it with us today. If you're new to the podcast, this is a place where we explore how to navigate the unique challenges of today while living with the most meaning, the most success, the most fulfillment, and just authentically creating a life that actually matters to us. So we explore tools, principles, strategies, obstacles that get in the way, and everything in between. And today's episode is one like none other. Uh, It is me being interviewed by my friend Matt Diavella, who uh, has shot several videos for me for for other projects that I've created in Sensify, retreats, conferences, etc. But Matt recently just blew up in the limelight. Uh, He created a documentary called Minimalism that is currently trending on Netflix. It's award-winning. I mean, it's just an amazing movie. Highly recommend it, and I interviewed Matt earlier on in the podcast, I think episode 39, if you go back, perhaps. And uh, and so today the tables have turned, and he int- he's interviewing me for his podcast, and I figured why not throw it over here as well on the WTF show. So here you go. With no further ado, let's jump into it. All right. You can't think your way out of overthinking, and that's what all of us try to do. That's Jacob Sokol, and he's trying to help you figure out what the fuck you should do with your life. Jacob's a friend and neighbor here in Brooklyn. I met him on the internet back in 2013, and no, it wasn't on Grindr. We met on Twitter. He runs a website called Sensify.com and is host of the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast, where he mentors millennials struggling to find their path in life. You know, I'm, I'm on this self-knowledge quest to figure out more and more what's possible with life. In our conversation, we talk about how he got started out and some of his early struggles and breakthroughs. Holy shit. Dude, that was like someone handed me a briefcase with a million dollars. We talk about everything from personal finance to my sex life. If I were to say, Matt, think about when you and your girlfriend had that epic sex, right? It was like the best 20 seconds of my yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Matt Diavella, and you're listening to The Ground Up Show. You are a life coach. Is that is that the term you would use, or, or is that uh, je- it's it's kind of seen as I'm a Jedi mind trick master, right? Uh, you know, I actually want to start using a different term because life coach. I think a lot of people look at that like something is wrong with their life. But if I say success accelerator or you know peak performance coach, like there's a different connotation. You're like, oh, fuck, you know, sign me up for that. Um, but what I must say is that I'm really enjoying drinking this beer while, while it's good, I'm ta- dude. Right? I, Isn't this nice? I, it's really nice. You know, I am very interested in a niche that I do not believe exists in the market, which is drunk life coaching. Oh, drunk life coaching and that drunk podcasting. Drunk, yeah, well, drunk this, is, this will be an extension of it. <laughs> yeah. What does the beer do to us, or what does the whiskey do to us? It gets us out of our head, right? It, it changes our level of consciousness. Now, too much of that will change it in a negative way, right? When you're puking on a toilet, right? that's not yeah. a, the positive or that's not an empowering or even helpful way to uh, to change your level of, of consciousness. But essentially, what I've been geeking out on so much in the in the past year or two is working with states. And what I mean by working with states is the mood that you're in, how you feel. For me, I realized that uh, for the last five or 10 years, a big insight for me was that our thoughts create our feelings. So if I were to tell you, Matt, 
think about, uh, and I'm going to knock on wood here, right? Think about someone who you really love dying, right? Think about your mom suddenly passing away. Again, knock on wood here. Um, suddenly, if you were to really think about that, your feelings would change. Your, your body would, would tense up. You'd feel sad, right? And that's all created by your thoughts. If I were to say, Matt, think about when you and your girlfriend had that epic sex, right? Oh, and so good. and like, just, the, so good. just the peak of that experience. Like, how yeah. did you feel? And you just imagine like a tiny detail about it, right? It was and the like whole... the best 20 seconds of my life. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you think about that. Those, th- that's just thoughts. Those thoughts are going to create such a great feeling inside of you. So most of us live life thinking that external events create our experience of how we feel. When really it's the meaning that we assign to the events, the story that we tell ourselves, the thoughts that we have, which give us the feeling ultimately. And so that's really ninja to be able to kind of take a step back and disconnect from the experience that I am my thoughts. But what I've also realized is that your state creates your thoughts. So when you exercise, when you finish a run, when you get a good workout in, you're feeling like a beast. You're like, ah, that's amazing. And suddenly you're super inspired. You're super creative. You can think of all these new connections that you couldn't like possibly make if you were over caffeinated and trying to force something out of you when the flow is just not there. And so, so much of my uh, work that I do as a coach and in my own life is about state regulation. So would you say focus on the state first? Totally. And then that's going to shift all of your thinking. You can't think your way out of overthinking. And that's what all of us try to do. Yeah. Right? You can't overanalyze your way out of like, uh, you know, overthinking about a problem. And so instead of trying to fight fire with fire, you bring in a different element to change your state. You go for a run. You, you know, tap into a different part of yourself uh, and I don't mean to sound all woo-woo, you know, but just to connect to something other than the neurotic, you know, uh, control-seeking, safety-craving fucking monkey mind, as the Buddhists will call it, without all the cursing. Well, let's let's go back to, I guess, the beginning. We've known each other for a little while now, and I don't, I don't really know your story from, you know, entering the workforce, climbing the corporate ladder and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can take you there, as you can feel my my eagerness to do so and my <laughs> extreme enthusiasm about right. taking you there. It's a dark place. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the short of it is we're in Brooklyn. I'll quote Big E. You know, he says, I grew up a fucking screw up. And that is something that I relate to very much. Not because I was an evil little bastard, but because my parents got divorced when I was five. I come from an experience where they were addicted to some stuff and I quickly realized that the life that society and school and the world said was how things worked wasn't actually true. And so I remember very distinctly being in like first grade, having like my teacher tell me to do something because it mattered. And I'm like, fuck you, you don't know what matters. You don't know how life actually works. And like, there was like an ethos that I had inside of me of like, this, you guys are all lying why should I believe any of this bullshit? Like, I know the world doesn't work this way. You can't fool me. And it made it very hard to to get through school. And I did a lot of drugs. I wrote a ton of graffiti. I had a lot of unprocessed uh, pain, emotions, crazy thoughts. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward, I don't know, my, my sister, uh, she works in finance and the company that serviced her computers, one of the technicians left and she just did like the heartfelt sister thing and didn't even tell me and, and emailed the company and was like, hey, my brother, um, he's like pretty good with computers and is the spot open for an interview? So I got the job and that job taught me so much. Like that job taught me that anything is figure outable. Because we were a small shop, we were four people in the shop, and we would, and we were consultants, and outsourced. So we would walk in. Like I had worked in like fifty different companies in that three and a half years that I was there, all different environments, and I just learned so much about about life, about how to interact with people, about figuring shit out. I learned that no matter if you use a Mac or you use Windows or you use a Chromebook, that it's all the same. Email is email is email. No matter what program you use for email, it still works the same way. FTP servers are the same no matter which FTP protocol program you use to connect to the server. Help me understand principles and that you didn't need to know the specific details. If you understood the principles about how something worked, you could go into any environment and figure it out. So you learn a lot from this this job. How long were you there for? Was three three the, and a half years. Did you like it? I loved it. Like, dude... I worked for the dopest dude. Like he's one of my best friends now. His mentor and like just schooled me to the game of life. Like such an amazing yeah. dude. But I liked it. Yet at the same time, so here it was. I had a great job, a great uh, mentor who really cared about me. Who you know, it's just awesome. But I had a mind that was out of control. I had some crazy thoughts. I had. I felt really uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't realize that I was so disconnected from like my like this is going to sound like a bumper sticker, like authentic self-expression, right? Like I, like I was conforming to a role of who I was supposed to be. An IT guy does this, acts this way, looks that way, speaks in this manner. And all that confined the self-expression that I was really craving on the inside. And my identity became, I'm, I'm Jacob, this person. And, uh, and I just, it's strange because on, on paper, it's like, I had a good job, nice car. Like we, you've shot videos for me before, right? So like we've done work together. So, you yeah. know, the, you know, that part of the story, like I had a lot of great shit, but, um, and, and I simultaneously had a lot of guilt about like, why aren't I happier? I know I've got it good. Why aren't I happier? Was there a particular moment when you decided that that particular path wasn't for you? So I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I wanted to take a trip to Europe by the time I was 25 and I was 24 then. And it was one of those, I don't even know what Europe is. I don't know any places in Europe. I don't know anything about Europe. All I know is that I heard I should go there and like, I really get excited when I think about it. I'm going to plan a trip to Europe and we'll see what happens from there. That first trip that you took kind of changed your life, right? Totally. Yeah. There was really three big insights that I had on that trip. The first insight was that I'm not my role. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I was playing a role, like who I'm supposed to be. And we all fucking play roles. You play a role when you see your mom. You play a role when you see your sister. You play a role when you work for that client. You play a role when you work for that other client. You're, we're constantly conforming to who we think we're supposed to be. And so I had become Jacob the IT guy. Like I couldn't you know, express the parts of myself that I was like curious about expressing. The other thing was that I didn't know that other lifestyles were possible. Lifestyle design is thrown everywhere like, oh, create your ideal life, blah, blah, blah. But we're talking about 10 years ago. I didn't know what it was like to live in Barcelona where they take siesta. I didn't know you could work remotely from a beach in, in Thailand or whatever. I just knew the New York grind. And I was like, oh, shit, like a different life is po lifestyle is possible. And then I can 
reduce my expenses. I started thinking I could reduce my expenses and really have more of my time back. And with my time, I could do these things that I really want to do. But I'd say the the biggest, most life-changing insight that I had was that I am not my thoughts. And conceptually, I could say that right now, and you're listening to the podcast, you're like, oh, I fucking know that. I'm not, or like, what does that mean? I'm not my thoughts, right? But I had like an, like an experienced understanding. I would wake up every day when I was working, and I would have the same crazy thoughts go through my head. Months after months after months after months after months. And I took the trip, and a week later, I woke up, and I didn't have that crazy, those crazy thoughts going through my head. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit. Like, that was like, dude, that was like someone handed me a briefcase with a million dollars. It was just like, like, I had been like tortured by these like thoughts in my head over and over and over, waking up every morning. And then I, and then I go on this trip and I, and these seven days into it, I realized, am I having those thoughts? What the fuck? And I just got on such a deep level that, oh, if I change my circumstances, my thoughts start to change. Like we're a product of our th- of our circumstances, our thoughts adapt to the places that we're in, and when I when I really got that, I, that was like, oh my god, if I could change my thoughts, I could change my life. If I could change my life, I could do whatever, and uh, and that was the start of something really sp- special that's led me here. Yeah, and then I guess at that point when you come home, you start to hatch this plan for how am I going to actually create the life. It's like, I'm doing this no matter fucking what. That's where where it starts. There's no question. There's like, you know that feeling of getting a million dollars in a briefcase? We obviously, none of us know that. But but like... (laughs) You know that feeling? Yeah. (laughs) Just the other day. But but it's like, then imagine having to give that back. And it's like, no, just kidding. You can't really have it. You had it for three weeks, but now I'm taking it back. There's no way I was giving that feeling back. I would do whatever I needed to do. And that was the mindset was like, I'm going to figure this out no matter what it takes and I started, I reduced my expenses. I sold my car, sold my motorcycle. I stopped going out on the weekend, stopped buying new clothing, started packing lunches to work. I was living the mat budget, right? That's what I was doing, <laughs> yeah, that right? was it. Like, that was I, the get out I, of debt I, budget. I, totally. I lived, the, I lived the mat budget. And uh, um, and I saved a little money and I figured out how to make it work. And I rented my, I, I, six months later, I left my job and I rented out my apartment and I was able to sleep on a friend's floor in Hawaii. An old roommate of mine moved to Hawaii and I'm like, can I sleep on your floor or some shit? Life became a series and kind of a constellation of figuring out where to jump to from one place to the next in order to make this this work. And I, and I had no idea what it even meant to make it work. It was just to like be alive, not in that job. It seems like you approached it in a way that was rather smart you didn't just drop everything right away you kind of got your finances in order and and you had a a little bit of a game plan yeah Uh, but then you you do have to make money oh (laughs) right like i I had so many panic attacks yeah so and i didn't know they were panic attacks which makes it like a million times worse when you don't know that you're experienced so you just think like the world is ending versus like i have some objective awareness that i'm freaking out right now Mm mm-hmm and yeah, there became a point maybe like a year and a half into it where uh, it was just super overwhelming. And it was like, what What do I do? How did you get through that? What, you had mentors? And- yeah, so I had, uh, I had a lot of mentors. But the thing about having like crazy thoughts in your head is like you don't want to share that shit with anyone. Right, you're like I'm not t- like I'm working real hard to make sure no one finds out about this shit. <laughs> right? Like you actually even like yourself. You don't even want to yeah. admit it to yourself yeah. that you have that. Shit. Especially people you look up to, your mentors. You're like I don't want to tell you about this shit. Um, so in in short, like what I did was I put my resume out on the market. I got a call from a headhunter. 
I went through a series of four interviews with the same company and they offered me a job making um, nearly $100,000 a year. This is after me being out of IT for two years, not touching anything. And when I was in IT, I made 50 grand a year. I was set on a path to like really crush it. And I got the call and they're like, so we'd like you to start on Monday. And it was Thursday. And I had that realization of like, for, you got to think like for the last two years, I've been living like a fucking like Tarzan, like in the <laughs> jungle, like swinging from vine to vine with my cock out. Like it was yeah. like amazing, you know? Yeah. And then I just thought about going back to like, you know, what I perceived as hell. And I was like, there's no way you can, you couldn't offer me any amount of money. And I, and I wasn't thinking about going back permanently. I was thinking about going back for like three months to stack some cake and then ultimately continue with what I was doing. But even the thought of that was just like, I'd rather go to Southeast Asia, live dirt cheap, work on my business and figure it out some other way. And, and that's what I did. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a hard thing to turn down for, I think, most people. I think most people's dream is to say, like, if I could get a six-figure salary, I'd be set. I I feel like you can't go down that road because it's very easy to get stuck and get trapped. And then you're Mm. back to where you start. You had Mm. these amazing transformative uh, moments in your life, and then all of a sudden you're kind of hitting the reset button and go back to square one. Yeah. And and listen, I'm not against... If someone's listening to the podcast, I'm not against that. I'm not against people going back for three months or going back for a year or figuring out how to go back in a way that aligns with their values more so they have more of the things that actually matter to them that maybe they weren't conscious about when they initially said, I need to get out of this job. Because listen, dude, six years out of working for somebody else, and I really admire people who work for somebody else. I really admire people who have a job. I'm like, that's fucking awesome that you have a job. You get a check every two weeks. Yeah. You get health insurance, possibly dental. Possibly like, dental. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I really envy that. I don't get that, you know? I, I got to make it work for myself. And I do. And it's and it comes with the, the really challenging times. And it comes with the really big wins. It's like, I don't get the health insurance. I don't get the check every two weeks. But you know what? I get the freedom to say, you know what? Fuck it. I think I'm going to go to Russia for a month. Why not? Yeah. What are some of the, what were some of the early wins for you in terms of building Sensify? Early win. Uh, I remember being on a group coaching call from a teacher who I was really inspired by named Brian Johnson. And he wrote him a letter. The letter was like, thank you so much. You changed my life. When I'm in weird situations and, I, and if I find them challenging, I'm like, I asked myself, Jesus, what would Brian Johnson do? And like, he made him, he was like cracking up and he's like, I'd love to offer you a scholarship into a group coaching program that I'm doing. And I'd love for you to join for free. There's only 10 people who are allowed in. I remember I got on that call and I, and I had a conversation with him. He coached me. And fucking after the call, dude, I stomped around my apartment doing NFL touchdown dances like a raging gorilla who's like just on fire. I was so stoked that like I had connected with this mentor, the guy who I really looked up to. And that was such a huge win for me. Just having a conversation with someone who I I looked up to was like earth shattering for me. It just blew me out of the park. So that was a huge one. And then um, one of the ones that I think is how you got introduced to my work was I I reached out and I figured out how to um, get Gary Vaynerchuk, who is an author and speaker and kind of um, social media agency owner or whatever, uh, to take me to the Jets game. Uh, And he says he's going to own the Jets, right? And so here's a guy who's, I really liked his work. I really liked his book. And I was really inspired by Tim Ferriss talking about most people aim for what they think is realistic. And because 99% of people are aiming for what they think is possible, 
counterintuitively, it makes that 1% of things that most people are never willing to go for actually easier if you're willing to approach it a different way because most people don't have the, the chutzpah to go for it. And I was so inspired by that, that thinking, that mindset led me to say, I want to take this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, I want him to take me to a Jets game. You know, this guy has got a million followers on Twitter. I started my blog five weeks ago. I literally had no clout. I knew nobody in the industry. It was just some random, and, I, and so I like reverse engineered it. I'm like, what would really tug at his heart? How do I like figure out our commonalities so I can put them in the email? How do I like... You know, when I do this in coaching, I figure out what matters so much to someone and then I show them how they're living out of alignment with that, even though they think they're actually living in alignment with that. So if someone's like, oh, like my kids matter more to me than anything in the world and like they're sacrificing their happiness in order to like get a check in order to like keep going with the same shit in life. Well, I can often show them how like, listen, your kids aren't going to do what you say. Your kids are going to do what you do when they grow up. And so with Gary, it was kind of a similar thing. It was like, what is this guy about? And how do I like socially engineer it so that authentically from my heart that I'm communicating in a way that really tugs at his his, uh, heart's cords? And uh, that was it. Yeah, he said yes. And like, that was like my street cred. It's like, oh, this guy Jacob is for real. So how did, how did you actually get a hold of, of Gary? What's the story there? I just emailed him. The title of my email was, Gary, do you give a fuck? Because that's what he was saying really mattered, was giving a fuck about people. Like, that was what he was ranting about at that point in 2010 yeah. or 11. Was, uh, 2010 it was like, you have to give a fuck about your community. You have to give a fuck, right? And I was, Gary, do you give a fuck? Do you give a fuck? Yes or no? Do you give a fuck, dude? Take me to the Jets game. Yeah. And... Uh, and he took you to a jet ski. <laughs> and he took me to a jet ski. He gave a fuck. And he never t- I never heard him t- tell that story ever. So it wasn't like he did it so they could go like talk about it and like be like, look yeah. what I did. Like he's I never heard him mention that ever. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, it speaks a lot to his character. Good feelings, good vibes last a week, mm. <laughs> two weeks, and then it's mm. over and you're like, well, what now? Yeah. Have you felt that way with like any big projects that you've worked on? Yeah, for sure. I have. And you know, happiness is kind of like peeing in the sense that it's more of like 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 goal like accomplishing a goal is more like peeing it's like it's a sense of relief it's like ah finally ah this is good <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily make you happy when you achieve a goal it's just like it's temporary state of like oh my god this is amazing and then what right and so yeah so i've definitely felt that before what have you been working on lately since i last talk to you so for for me you know one of the one of the things i've been working on this year was the intention was like how do i create the most transformative program that i've ever created in my entire life and the it was it you know with these kind of questions people can be like oh my fucking god how how the hell would you answer that that's insane um and it can just stress people out but for me the question is something to live into it's not something to answer so that, as a coach, that's what I do. I help people upgrade their questions, not so that they can solve them and get answers. Questions define our life. If, you're, if the main question of your life is, like, why am I so stupid, right? Like, that's going to lead to a pretty shitty life. If your main question is like, you know, how can I grow and learn? That's going to way fucking different than why am I so stupid? So my question was like, how do I create the most transformative program of my life? 
and uh, everything that I could think of that would help somebody transform. I mean, you know, we didn't get them to go do mushrooms or anything like that. And like, <laughs> that's for the round two. <laughs> that's the VIP program. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the main things people say that they're they're really craving is clarity, right? As as we're talking about a little bit now, and also the courage to go for what it is that they actually want. And so I strategically designed exercises in the program to help people get. Uh, clarity from not their head, but from their gut, from their heart, from like this deeper source of wisdom that society disconnects us from. Same thing with courage. Right? Like I intentionally created experiences where I'd be like, all right, your, your homework, your goal for the week is to go out there and high five 15 strangers, right? And you might be like, Jacob, Jacob, that's fucking crazy. Like, what are you like? Some like frat boy at a bar, like high fiving people. Yeah. But we're intentionally systematically building courage within people so that when it actually matters for them to go for what it is that they really want, that muscle and that, that discipline and that skill is built there. Um, so that that was a 10-week program. I was like so stoked about it. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at 2017 and saying, okay, I'm going to run this again. How do I get uh, it four times the size of, of last time? which I'm excited about. That's cool. So you have your next thing lined up where you know at least an idea of where you're heading. Yeah. I've got my Jim Carrey goal. Is that the the check that he wrote to himself? Yeah. So that's funny. We didn't actually talk about this beforehand. Yeah. This is the the secret. (laughs) Well, kind of. I mean, um, yeah, very much rooted in that kind of ideology. So, so five or six years ago, I watched that interview where Jim Carrey talks about like, you know, I just moved to Hollywood from Canada. I didn't know shit. Like, and I and late one night I drove up to the the Hollywood sign and there I was this kind of struggling actor and I wrote myself a check for ten million dollars or something like that and he's like I had no idea how this would come uh, to fruition but fast forward two years later he gets a check for ten million dollars for doing like Ace Ventura two and and I'm butchering the numbers and the dates a little bit but something like that so I'm like that's cool as shit like I want to do something like that so take us back to. August 2011, and uh, and I write myself a check for $60,000. And at that point, you know, I don't know anything about business. I had just started my business, Sensify, and maybe I made 6000 bucks at that point. So making 60, you know, grand was like, he's telling me I'm going to hang out with Elon Musk tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's just like, and then what, I'm going to go to space with him too? Like, what, yeah. like what's going to happen? Um, but to fast forward two years from that, and it came true. And I, and I had made about 60 grand that year, two years later, right? And I was like, oh, fuck, I should do this for a much larger number. <laughs> right? What was I thinking? Yeah, so, so I did. So then I wrote another check for um, six times that amount, uh, 360 grand. And, and I, I dated it, you know, it was August 2013. And I just was kind of going through my office two days ago, and I, I came across that check, and I saw it was almost exactly three years to the day. It was one day off three years and I'm like holy fuck this fucking Jim Carrey goal man I gotta get back <laughs> on this and so I sat down and I like strategically mapped it out and like I'm like ah I got my plan I see how like from a executing it will be different than the the strategy the execution versus strategy but I have the strategy I'm like ah, oh, I see how, I see how to do this so that's 2017 is like playing with possibility and you know, one thing that's been really helpful for me is is the the barbell strategy. Barbell strategy is basically like you want to be simultaneously conservative and aggressive at the same time in your goals. So conservative, if you're if you're always doing conservative shit, it gets boring. It's like, oh, I could pay the rent, that's great, but like where the hell is my sense of possibility? Right. 
And if you're constantly going for home runs, which I have been for quite some time, and you start missing a few, it's like, fuck, I got to get on base. Like, <laughs> right. like this ain't looking rank. good. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? But it's to simultaneously go for the conservative goals to make sure that you are covering your rent, paying your bills, and doing all that while taking the big home run swings and going for what it is that you really want. Right. To actually feel challenged. Yeah. I think that's And a, inspired. Yeah. I think that's something that we've talked about before, especially financially. Uh, where I think I'm super conservative financially. I, it probably comes from the fact that uh, I graduated with $100,000 in student loan debt. And mm. for the longest time, I just didn't want to think about my finances. You're and, a true American, dude. You should yeah. be wearing like American flag on your shirt. <laughs> I know, right? And then, uh, you know, once I started to actually look at my finances and understand uh, the problem and the predicament that I was in, I was able to change my perspective to where I didn't see that money as mine. Mm. Uh, and then I continued to just hammer at it and, and pay off my student loans. When you say you didn't see that money as yours, you meant the money you were making or the money that you owed? Uh, the money that I owed and the money that I was making. So if I did a big project and I made a couple thousand dollars, I would automatically take that money. I, you know, you would be a little bit conservative and, and save some of it for rent or whatever you need to do. But everything on top of that went to my student loans. At least from previous conversations that we've had, I feel like I've been more on the conservative side when it comes to finances. I think that it comes from my background of being in that massive, overwhelming amount of debt mm-hmm. and getting really... Uh, into personal finance books and like digesting everything and brainwashing myself into everything that they say, like cut up all your credit cards. Now I start to find ways where I can kind of spend money and actually enjoy the money that I'm making and kind of regaining control and saying, this is my money. (laughs) Like I made this money. I worked hard for it. I should invest it in myself and do cool things. Dude, it's like you lived in China or something. Like, they totally brainwashed you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I this was the internet. What? This is <laughs> <Right>. the intranet? <laughs> right. Uh, and, I, like, I still have so much of that. And I have got a 401k, Roth IRA, and all this stuff. Uh, and then when I talk to you about this stuff, the personal finance, you kind of laugh. <laughs> because because yeah. you were like, man, you just got to enjoy it now in the moment. Do you still feel that way? Or do you have do you have a 401k? Do is you what have I'm any money at all? Yeah. <laughs> um, both. Like, so I'm, I'm 31 now and I'm looking around and like my boys are like gearing up to buy houses. And these are guys who don't work for themselves. They, you know, they're getting a check. Um, and it's inspiring. I'm like, what the, f- when the fuck did you start planning to buy a house? You mother f- like what? <laughs> right. Like we're like, we're homies. Like what are, what are we talking about? Right. Yeah, like, like a different person. Why weren't we talking about that? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and so there's a little bit of that. Uh, and also now I live in Brooklyn and like, I'm so stoked, dude. Like I know what my budget is. It's like, I'm like, I know you how have much a budget. I fucking have a budget. I know how much my business needs to bring in in order to pay me a salary. And then I know that salary is based on my cost of living in Brooklyn. Like I got fucking Excel sheets up the kazoo really? with formulas and shit. Yeah. It's amazing. That's yeah. And, uh, and, and you it probably sounds like you're talking to somebody different now than you did, uh, two years ago. And part of that was because, you know, I'm, I'm on this entrepreneurial slash self knowledge, fucking quest to figure out more and more what's what's possible with life and and that'll be like a never-ending thing right like what's what's possible um and so i started off like i said i made six thousand dollars like my first year in business and then i made twenty five thousand and then closer to fifty or sixty thousand and then two hundred thousand and i'm like when we were speaking around that time, two hundred thousand, I was like, "Dude, like, I'm ready. I'm gonna be buying the house like tomorrow, right? <laughs> right. Like, I'm ready. Like, yeah. I'm gonna quadruple again. I'm gonna hit half a million or whatever." 
Um, and and then you know, fucking the universe throws you some shit, and you dance with it, and it's like, oh, that didn't go how I hoped it went, and and um, and so it, for me, it's 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 a balance of like knowing that I can make money, and this is a game, and just because there's a number on a screen doesn't mean that it needs to change my experience of life. Like the reality is, is like, dude, we live in America, like we, and for people living in a first world country, like there. It's this is all just perceived danger. There's no actual danger in any of this money conversation that we're having, right? Like, oh, but I won't get hired. Like, so what? You'll be all right. right. Like, you will sleep on someone's couch or live in a homeless shelter or whatever. Like, you'll get fed. So really, it's just like it's mindset and it's um, what power are we giving to the the thoughts and fears that come in when we're in a low state or a bad mood or a place of fear. And being willing to just objectively witness those without kind of buy into those fears and stories and, and let them run our life. One more question. I've never hired a, you know, a life coach, peak performance coach, or mentor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what would be the case for somebody who, who hasn't thought about it, maybe who's thinking about it? Why is it important to have uh, somebody like a coach in your life? Mm. Well... It's not something that I can say you should do. It's something that you kind of need to have that already curiosity inside of you of like, I think there's something more out there. And that might be in your profession, that might be in your romantic relationship, that might be in, in any capacity of your life where there's a craving for more, to go from good to great. You know, coaching isn't about solving people's um, problems. It's It's not about pathology. Like therapy is about fixing people coaching is about taking people who are already good and how do we go to great how do we live with more fulfillment um more excitement more of the things that matter to you and so if that's something that someone is interested in particularly who i love to support are people who've already achieved a lot in life they'd be considered successful but they know that more is possible for them and it's not more of the same so it's not another twenty thousand dollars on their paycheck it's um, it's something deeper, something more fulfilling, and they don't exactly know what the hell it is. But uh, that's that's for me. That shit is so much fun because I do the least amount of work, and they get the most amount of results. Right. But I just find there's so much leverage working with people who are already on their game. You can create so much so quickly. Right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Sure. Um, it's been a pleasure. Maybe I'll have you back on when this is actually a real podcast. Once you start figuring out what the hell you're doing. I know. What the fuck should I do with my life? <laughs> That's it for this episode of The Ground Up Show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it and want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts.